Hello, this is Eric Boyce, CEO and Chief Investment Officer for BKA Wealth Consulting, and welcome to Market Minutes for August 9th of 2021. Well, as we get into the news you can use for this week, uh, certainly the buzzword is the Delta variant and uh, the latest surge in coronavirus cases, uh, primarily amongst the unvaccinated, uh, is rising. It's casting a bit of a pall over what has been actually a fairly good positive backdrop in a number of areas. Now, I think the you know as we look into the next uh, week and the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, really the things that we're going to have to pay attention to are what could be, you know, what, what are the potential impacts of the Delta variant on consumer behavior? We've seen some, uh, some data, and, and this is included in the charts of the week, where, you know, we've seen some mild impact thus far on people that are not going to restaurants as much as they were, but they're still definitely out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, whether that's going to have an issue uh, with regard to overall commerce, and we've seen a spike in cases in China, and China, you know, with its history of lockdowns, you know, what does that mean for global trade and the potential for further supply chain disruptions as we look out into the uh, beginning of the fall months? But, uh, you know, a lot of this is kind of playing out in real time, and it's kind of hard to guess, you know, where it's going to go. Uh, I do think looking at the data, and if you look at India uh, and other areas where Delta has manifested itself already, you know, you can see a clear drop-off uh, in, in, this, uh, in this wave. And I think we're in, in the rising part of the wave right now, and it'll crest and it'll roll back over. Uh, and, you know, we will uh, be, you know, even that much closer to uh, what's perceived widely as uh, herd immunity. But right now, I think, you know, the conversation needs to center around several key key items here. High valuations, you know, are we close to or have we surpassed peak U.S. growth in the current cycle? Uh, you know, we've had really strong uh, payroll numbers uh, last week. And, you know, what does that do to impact the Fed's uh, timeline to kind of taper its asset purchases and, and what does that look like? Um, manufacturing uh, looks uh, elevated, uh, particularly on the global scene, which is really good. Uh, U.S. manufacturing remains relatively high, although it's uh, perhaps off its peak a little bit. Uh, the services uh, indices for purchasing managers index set a new record high. Uh, and I just think we've, we're still in this mode of pretty solid growth. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, we had a little bit of a reversal in the trends we've been seeing in uh, treasury yields. So we've been kind of saddled fairly low on 10-year treasury yields, even down at one point intraday, down to you know basically 1.12%. But we've been kind of hugging around you know 1.2, 1.25%. And uh, it ended the week at 1.3%. Uh, uh, so we had a little bit of an uptick uh, in 10-year Treasury yields may be symptomatic of, of what we uh, should probably be looking for uh, here uh, over the, the coming weeks. Uh, but just kind of getting into the data, uh, last week the Dow Jones was up 8 tenths of a percent, the S&P was up 9 tenths of a percent, NASDAQ was up a little over 1 percent, S&P 500 and Dow Jones closed at all-time highs. Uh, S&P 500 now trades at 21 Time, or excuse me, 28.1 times trailing earnings, uh, which kind of you know, almost waxes reminiscent of the tech bubble. 
but what's really interesting here is uh, even with the continued rise of the S&P 500, we've had such strong earnings gains that the earnings multiple or the multiple of earnings uh, where the market trades has actually gone down from kind of the 22 and a half times range back in really the end of last year through April, uh, down to about 21 times now. So while that's not in in, in a aggregate sense uh, cheap, uh, it still is elevated, but it's, it's not nearly uh, as robust as it was just several months ago. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about earnings in a second, but you know, if you look at the S&P month-to-date is up about nine-tenths of a percent. Year-to-date is up about 18.1%. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we got the Dow Jones up 78 basis points or almost eight-tenths of a percent month-to-date and up 15% year-to-date. You know, NASDAQ's up over 1% for the month and 15% for the year uh, and so on and so forth. We had a little bit less robust performance out of the Russell 2000, the small caps, which have underperformed just a little bit uh, here near term. Uh, if you look over the oceans, you've got Europe uh, for the year up about 13%, the EFA uh, index up about 9.2%, and then uh, emerging markets are almost flat, although they had a really good month. Um, volatility overall in the equity markets remains uh, down, but you know we ended the week basically with a lot of optimism coming out of the earnings reporting season, and I'll talk about that in just a second. On the fixed income side, uh, the Barclays aggregate index is down almost a percent for the year, and it's been down about half percent for the month, uh, and uh, still kind of struggles. Although with high yield bonds, we're up almost four percent. Uh, for the year, uh, and leverage loans are also up about 3.3%. Gold uh, really kind of took it on the chin, uh, even with uh, some of these uh, Delta variant fears kind of uh, percolating to the surface, but gold was off uh, a bit last week and ended the week at $1,760 an ounce, which is down 2.9% for the month and down 7% for the year after being up 24% year ago. We also saw a little bit of froth come off the uh, uh, crude uh, oil and some of the other uh, industrial commodity markets. Uh, crude oil, that WTI, closed at $68.28, down about, uh, about 8%, uh, if you will, for the month, uh, and uh, closed the week uh, below $70 a barrel for the first time since early June. Uh, so what's interesting in the oil markets is we've been focusing so much lately on the supply side uh, as uh, we've seen uh, low inventories uh, and high demand. What's interesting is that the rise of the Delta variant seems to bring this whole demand question back into focus and whether or not we're actually gonna have the demand to fulfill kind of this, uh, uh, you know, mild resurgence in supply and production. So that's why we've seen a little bit more turbulence in the in the crude markets. But um, so in the uh, economy, let's see, we have um, just kind of talking about uh, the uh, Institute for Supply Management, uh, ISM Manufacturing, uh, marked its 14th consecutive month of expansion. Uh, really good signal for earnings, growth, and and also for uh, capital spending on the part of companies. And we know the surveys tell us that companies are really uh, planning to ramp up their spending. So um, and we have, and I, I think that bodes well in the coming months, 
to kind of help us uh, rebuild our inventories, which were really low and kind of adversely impacted our latest uh, uh, reading of economic growth. Inventories are extremely low. So to hear companies ramp up capital spending to ostensibly add more production capability, I think is a really good thing. And we could have an inventory boost in the coming quarters that could really be a tailwind for economic growth. Uh, so uh, in looking at the services side of the equation, which is more important uh, than manufacturing, it represents a greater part of our overall economy. And it reached an all-time high, uh, although we're not really replacing jobs that have been lost at, 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 a, at, a, at a, a rate that dovetails with, with overall expansion. And so we'll have to monitor that. Uh, and uh, so, you know, with that, I think, you know, the, it, it kind of sets the stage for overall economic uh, growth uh, in 2021 to be around 7%. Uh, and then that's probably going to trail down to about 3.3-ish percent based on current estimates, uh, con uh, consensus estimates, I might add, uh, in 2022 and maybe 2.4% in 2023. And I think inflation, for all of the hubbub over inflation, you know, we're going to see something well over 3% this year. And, and I think, you know, the general consensus, and we'll have to see how it plays out, calls for inflation around 21 2.2% over the next several years. And, uh, you know, if, if it did fall to that rate, it would still be higher than what we saw uh, prior to the pandemic. Uh, but so earnings season, let's talk about that. Uh, so we've got 90% of the S&P 500 companies that have reported. Uh, and of those uh, reports, earnings grew by almost 90% up from estimates of plus 52% at the start of the quarter. And earnings have come in about 17% above expectations, which is well above the uh, long-term average, uh, five-year average of 7.8. Uh, and you turn to revenues, which is kind of the mother's milk for earnings, uh, and revenue growth was uh, 25% for, for the 90% uh, of the index that's reported. And that's up from 16.5% from the beginning of the quarter. Uh, so. You know, we see a lot of uh, read through on this. There's a lot of confidence at the CEO and the C-suite uh, area. Uh, and obviously, if, uh, they, if they weren't confident, they certainly wouldn't be talking about increasing capital spending. But really, a lot of what we heard in some of these earnings calls, um, you know, momentum, uh, demand is relatively high. Uh, but we still hear them talk about supply chain constraints and input price uh, issues, uh, you know, costs that they're having to uh, pass on, pricing power, uh, but uh, they're still gaining operating leverage uh, and still increasing their margins, uh, which is uh, which which is important at least for the near term. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that uh, that we're continuing to uh, see uh, see see progress in earnings uh, because. You know, next year, certainly, you know, I wouldn't expect to see a lot of multiple expansion. So earnings are going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting next year. So, um, but uh, in fact, in talking about earnings, um, let's see, the analysts are expecting about $199 a share for the S&P 500 index. And, you know, while that may be perhaps a little bit low uh, and based on recent trends. If you get something that's closer to maybe 215 to 225, somewhere in that band, you know, that what that would mean if you didn't have a lot of price movement uh, in the market, uh, you, your multiple would actually continue to go down. 
which does provide some sustaining power to the equity market. Uh, and, uh, and I think, you know, you could see, you know, the, the issue maybe of growing into valuations, which oftentimes happens when you emerge into, from a recession into a new cycle. Um, but, um, so let's talk about jobs. So in the latest, uh, non-farm payroll, uh, reading, uh, uh, we, we saw the unemployment rate decrease to 5.4%, uh, from 5.9% in June and labor force participation was up and hourly earnings uh, grew about four tenths of a percent, which is about 4% year over year. So we are seeing uh, wages move higher in light of some of the supply chain, excuse me, some of the labor uh, constraints uh, that companies are having. These jobs that are, you know, a, a lot of small business surveys say that there's a lot of jobs to fill, but they're having trouble filling them and they're having to pay more uh, to get people to fill those positions. And so that's already translating into average hourly earnings, which, you know, when you look at inflation overall, this is the probably the most important thing to track is labor cost uh, because of the, the nature of our economy, the fact that we're service oriented uh, and within services, labor is obviously very important. So uh, we want to continue to monitor that. Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. You know, so we added about 943,000 jobs in July, uh, and we revised the last two months up by almost 120,000. Uh, I mentioned the unemployment rate. Importantly, the U6 uh, rate is um, uh, was also down four tenths of a percent to about 9.2. And what is the U6 rate? That that is the folks that are uh, working part time and half-time maybe, you know, that would like to be fully employed. Uh, and so uh, that number fell to uh, to its lowest level in almost uh, three, four years. Um, so we've got, you know, fewer part-time workers who want a full-time job uh, in that case. And some of that means that some of those people are transitioning to full-time jobs. And so uh, consequently, we're seeing a, an increase in in jobs filled, even though there's a whole lot more that uh, uh, that, that need to be filled. In fact, uh, after this report, payrolls are still about 5.7 million jobs lower than they were uh, right before the pandemic. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, jobs being filled. Basically, a third of the positions being filled are in areas that suffered the most uh, during the pandemic, uh, hospitality. Uh, we've seen a lot of additions in public education as well. Uh, and I think the other thing uh, that, uh, from an economic standpoint, that really stood out last week was uh, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index uh, was down a little bit. I think that some of that has to do with the Delta variant. Uh, it's the lowest level that we've seen since February. And uh, the other thing that kind of feeds into that, aside from the Delta variant, uh, is uh, is basically prices. So people are seeing the uh, seeing the impact of some of the the increases in costs in the food chain. Uh, excuse me. In, in, well, I'd say in the, in the food chain as well as you know automobiles and and things like that. And I think it's beginning to settle in with some folks that areas of the market that have seen price increases, like new cars, uh, for instance, uh, you know, are, are realizing now that. You know, it's not necessarily uh, to their benefit to wait to see if prices uh, drop, uh, that prices are going to be sticky in a lot of areas uh, for a while. And so we see spending, 
you know, kind of continue uh, along its path. But, you know, again, people are, are uh, optimism and sentiment levels are suffering a little bit because people are uh, accepting the fact that they're having to pay more uh, for what they're buying. Uh, let's see. Um, in the news, uh, you can use category. I'm sure that there's maybe one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, and we had some charts on this in Charts of the Week about uh, uh, about uh, renters uh, or about the about housing in general. But um, according to uh, research by Sandy Leeds, 16% uh, of adult renters live in households that are behind on rent payment. Uh, and that's more than twice the rate from 2017. Um, and, uh, you know, the home price um, trends that we've seen are going to eventually filter into rents. And so, you know, with this kind of stress in the rental market, it, it just gives me a little bit of cause, pause and cause for concern, I guess. Uh, and uh, so, you know, that that's something of interest. I do see uh, consumers beginning to take on a little bit more debt. Um, we saw, uh, you know, during, I guess, through 2019, through the second quarter of this past year, we saw, you know, consumers pay down credit card balances by $140 billion uh, during that uh, time frame. But in the latest quarter, credit card balances were up about $17 billion and household credit uh, rose by $313 billion. This is in Sandy's notes from this last week. And mortgage credit was up 282 billion. So uh, we do see more debt being taken on by households, uh, and that's kind of a, a, a kind of an interesting and new development. Um, and uh, let's see. So uh, really, that's uh, I think that that's it for the economic uh, news you can use this week. But um, I think the you know, there are some risks to the to the otherwise good outlook right now. Uh, but, you know, we uh, are in a cyclical upturn. It's not necessarily synchronized. We are seeing positive trends uh, across the globe, even though they may be off of their peaks. I think I want to reiterate something that I've said for a number of weeks now, that you can have peak growth and continue to grow Um uh, you know, for quite some time after peak growth has been achieved. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've got new COVID cases uh, from the Delta variant that are hitting a six-month high last week. And we're having a rise in hospitalizations. Uh, so, you know, we didn't really anticipate this probably four weeks ago, even though we knew the Delta variant was out there. But, uh, you know, what that could do, I don't think we're going to see shutdowns. That's fairly draconian. I think we've clearly seen that. I don't think there's a there's a political appetite for that. I do think that we're going to see more mask mandates in certain areas. Um, and I, I think we're going to be, you know, seeing some kind of self-isolation uh, in, in sorts amongst people that are immunocompromised and, and people that have uh, underlying conditions. And so, you know, I think that could continue to kind of chew at the margin of, of, of some of the economic uh, progress that we've made, but I don't think it's enough to dissuade it. And again, I do see on the horizon where this current wave rolls over uh, and, um, and we negotiate the back to school issue, uh, especially with children that are, we're witnessing higher infection rates on. Uh, 
but as we get closer to the holidays, I think you know we'll be uh, we'll be in a position to really evaluate, perhaps uh, get FDA full FDA approval for some of the vaccines that will allow people to, especially in the high risk and high age categories, to maybe get booster shots that can help protect against these uh, various strains. Uh, but again, I, I think my my viewpoint is you know, that we're staying the course, uh, that we knew the data wasn't going to be this good forever, uh, but the data can still remain uh, positive uh, and, uh, and reflect beneficial trends in our market. And certainly the investment markets can, uh, can, can follow, uh, follow the pace. Uh, but, you know, we will have uh, bumps and, and bruises along, uh, along, the, along the path. Uh, but again, I just say stay the course. That's all we got today uh, and for this week. I uh, hope you have a wonderful week in behalf of all my colleagues at BKA Wealth. Uh, stay safe uh, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.